Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Oh, we like that. Yes, sir. Let's pray together before we read Scripture. Father, our hearts are bowed to you in this place. What a wonderful celebration we've had so far to celebrate you, Christ, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts with your word, we pray. Thank you for this opportunity in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says, amen, amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave hi at your neighbor one more time. I ain't got much room this morning. We like it. We like it. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And as you turn there, there's some statements that I want to make. I'm going to steal them from Pastor Mike here. The virgin womb and the empty tomb are pillars of our faith. Amen. If the birth of Christ was the promise, then the proof is the resurrection of Christ. Amen. We truly believe that. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Holidays like this just kind of make you feel like a kid. I'm just going to take a second here. I didn't do this for this first service, so this is especially for y'all. I was thinking as I was sitting over there, you know, they kind of make you kind of a kid again, don't they? Yesterday, as we had all the people up here on campus, it just surprised me because you'd have these big old strong guys up there, a baby in each arm. They'd come up and get a snow cone, and I was like expecting like tiger's blood or grape, you know, something like that. They'd be like, I want bubble gum. <laughs> You're 40 years old. You eat a bubble gum snow cone? Well, it's because they got to be a kid for the day. And these holidays do that. The other day, I was watching a little clip of Little Rascals. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And that one where Buck, Buck Wheaton is friends there, and he go, and they finally get that dollar. And he goes, I got a dollar. I got a dollar. I got a dollar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, good company. All right. This is what I was thinking, just the kid in me as a Christian. I've got a Savior. I've got a Savior. I've got a Savior. Hey, 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 hey. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Didn't that just make you feel good? Yeah, kind of weird. I, saw, I just, I just I almost dive bombed. No, you guys did good. <laughs> These things make us feel like a kid, and it's exciting things that we're a part of. So thank you so much for being here. However you came, thank you for being a part of what we're doing this morning, and I've got to settle down. But you know, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is worth celebrating. It's worth getting a little worked up and a little excited, remembering it way past the church service that we're attending this morning, right? And I know that you are going to do that as well. Here, I want to tell you, do a study on some ladies. How many of us know some ladies can teach us some things? Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, I figured I'd get all kinds of amens from ladies on that, poking their husband. You pay attention? Here in Luke 24, the ladies are going to the tomb. Christ has been buried. It is the day after the Sabbath, and it says on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And somebody say amen. Amen. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Amazing story. As we continue our series, Victory, and of course we celebrate Resurrection Day today. You know, victory is one of those funny things, especially when you're talking about kingdom-minded people, people who are in love with Jesus Christ who follow Him, because victory doesn't always look like what we think victory should look like. And many times if we make victory look like in the kingdom of God what we should, make it, what we should uh, think it looks like, then many times we miss the victory altogether, because God's ways are simply not our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Amen? So you think this day they come in and they see absolute victory. It is an empty tomb. It is an empty tomb. Now they do not go into it. Later on Peter goes into it and John stoops at the door. But you would think an empty tomb, that symbolizes victory. I would think maybe everybody would walk in and there would be a 10,000 angels singing, I told you so, I told you so, right? Or maybe one for more familiar is the Toby Keith song, How Do You Like Me Now, Baby? You know? <laughs> You wonder, but that's not how it played out at all. Now, there was an amazing messenger of God, an angelic being there that rolled away the tomb, or rolled away from the stone from the tomb, and he gave direction. And that shouldn't be belittled by any means, you know what I mean? If I see an angelic being, I don't know what I would do. I might run one way. I'm pretty sure I'd change my britches before it was all over, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are like, man, that shouldn't be a joke. But it's still funny. It's okay, we're family today. Welcome, welcome, we're family. But the reality is, is that it doesn't look like what we always think it should look like. And here, we have something amazing that's just taken place, and they see an empty tomb, and they're confused. Let me encourage you this morning, because you're a little bit confused, because you're a little bit perplexed, because it's been a rough journey to where you are, doesn't mean that God's not in the middle of it, and victory's not on the way. So I don't know where, where you're at or what you're going through, but we want you to know that. And as we talk about our risen Savior this morning, that's exactly what we want to instill in your hearts and in your minds. And for some of you, just reassure what you already know. I was talking to Pastor before. Um, we call it halftime. It's between services. We have a halftime talk. You know what I mean? Like, go get them. You know, sometimes you just need a slap on the back, you know. Get her done. Good job. You know what I'm talking about? We have that. And we were talking about on days like these how you constantly remind the people. But Timothy did that, to, or Paul did that to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, if you remind them of the things they already know, thou art a good minister. And that's what we want to do here at Ray of Hope is just be the best that we can be for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So today, we're going to journey together. Hopefully, we'll encourage you and lift your spirits and maybe teach you some new things. But at the same time, remind you of some things that you already know. As we journey together here, I want to look at the women. I want to look at some things that I know that we can learn from them, and then some things that we can learn from the story. As I look at these women, really I see each one of us as their characters because we realize that, that there's so many people in here that want to honor God, that want to do what God has called them to do. But I find it funny because the women were bringing extra spices. 
So I stopped there as I, as I was looking at all this, I was thinking, why in the world were they bringing extra, extra spices? And it kind of sent me on a journey. And, you know, one of the first things is, is how many know sometimes women can just do it better than men? I was talking to Bandy, you know, the spices and the perfumes for burial were to help for many things. And, of course, if you read before this, it says that Nicodemus and Joseph had plenty of all of that and the linens to wrap Jesus' body in. So they did probably what they needed to do. Now, they only had three hours because of the Sabbath was coming and some other things. So part of me wonders if the women got word of that and thought, I bet we need to go check and kind of make sure it was done right. <laughs> Bandy said, Matt, women just care more about smell than men. That's true. I might not wash a shirt for a couple days. It'll be all right. That was one of the commentaries I heard. It was pretty, pretty comical. You know, around my house, do we have any Mr. Fix-Its around here? Now, let me clarify that. You think you can fix it, but you kind of struggle? Yeah, that would be me. We're walking through the, through the store or something, and Mary says, man, I would love to buy that for our house. And usually my first words are, I think I can make that. She goes, no, no, you can't. I said, you wouldn't want me to make that for us? She goes, no, absolutely not. She goes, you need, now she supports me, but she also tells me the truth, the truth and love. We do not want that in our house after you get through messing with it. We were building, I got to build these uh, backdrops for our um, pictures today and the, the two out there that are made out of wood. Now the women decorated them, thank God for that, but I got to make them. And I have to get Bandy's and Allie's approval. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes my eye, you know, stuff kind of leans, you know. I'm like, that looks straight, you know, and I got to kind of, you know. Anyway, so they went out there, and Bandy was super nice, man. Bandy goes, wow, these are really good, Matt. You did a great job. Allie comes out, and she's on staff here, and she looks at me, and then she looks at the stuff and looks at me and looks at the stuff, and she goes, wow, Matt, those are way better than what I thought they were going to be. <laughs> a dagger. Dagger, just tell me how you really feel there. I'm sorry, Kevin. I don't have to live with that. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But maybe that was the scenario. Maybe that was the scene. I, I don't know. The second thing that got me thinking was just simply that maybe it was just a desire to honor Christ. You know, one thing that we know is that my best might not be your best, and your best might not be my best, but we do need to bring our best to our risen Savior. Amen. We need to do our best in whatever that is. And, and, and Nicodemus was a relatively wealthy man, and he brought like 75 pounds of oils and spices. I mean, there was some major stuff, no doubt. And I don't really know what the women had here, but I know that they maybe just wanted to honor God. They just wanted to say, God, this is the best that I've got, and I'm glad the guys did what they did, and they had what they had. But you know, God, I want to honor you too, so I'm going to come and be here. And that's what many of you guys are. Your children are down the halls learning about the precious Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And you're in here with your hearts raised saying, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Encourage me. I want to honor you. And that's really what we want to do, isn't it? Is just bring our best before God. And maybe that's the reason why that they came. They had to have that attitude of saying, God, I just want to honor you. And the third thing is a little bit more serious not necessarily than honoring God, but as I was processing this, I was wondering if they realized the absolute reality of the death that Christ went through, what his body had to endure. And 
as we come to days like we are today with the resurrection, part of it is celebration, and we never want to not celebrate, amen? But part of it is remembrance, because there was a lot that went on before our Lord and Savior raised from the dead. His body was inflicted with a lot of pain, and we're going to go over that. And it's going to be some of those moments where you just think, as I read, think, and there's still more, and there's still more. And I wonder if these ladies, as they were walking to the tomb, they began to realize, and as they witnessed everything that Christ went through, it began in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, they weren't there, but his disciples were there, and no doubt they heard about it later. We know we have the Scriptures, so we heard about it. And he's praying in the Garden, Luke chapter 22, verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What an intense prayer session. He had gone into the inner parts of the garden. His disciples were a stone's throw away from him, and it was just him there with his father praying. And he knew what was before him. We learn in Scripture before this that he knew that first he had to be flogged, and then he had to be crucified, and then he would die. And he knew what was coming his way, and it was so intense that great drops of blood was pouring off his forehead. And then we see the arrest, and the arrest in the garden. So they come to him, and they arrest him, and he looks at him, and he says, Why do y'all come with all these men and clubs and weapons? Am I a robber? Am I a murderer? Am I a thief? That type of thing. And in the midst of all this, they identify him by the kiss of the betrayer, Judas. And then in a moment, in a scene, you also hear this. Are you Jesus? Are you the Christ? And he says the famous words that bring us back to the Old Testament. He says, I am. Now, in some manuscripts, it says, I am he. But the original language is, I am, which brings us back to the Old Testament. And whenever he said that, guys, it was a phenomenon. Something amazing happened. He said, I am. And everybody in the garden fell to the ground but him. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to show us that he gave his life. Nobody took it. That he had all power and all authority. And the men that came to bound him to do what they were about to do did not do it unless they had the authority from him. He willingly gave his life. So as we celebrate our resurrection, we understand that. And then he is on trial or some false examinations, if you will, six different times. He's with Anna, uh, excuse me, Ananias and, and, and Caiaphas and the council of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders. And they rest him as they take him to these different places. And it's Luke 22, chapter 63. It says, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. And the beating begins. Matthew chapter 26, verse 67. Then, this, then they spit on his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? He goes before Herod after he sees Pontius Pilate for the first time, and Herod begins to mock him. Luke chapter 23, verse 11. Herod and his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Arraying him in splendid clothing, they sent him back to Pilate. And you can imagine, if you've ever been in that situation where you've been utterly humiliated, it's very fatiguing. It just drains it all out of you, don't you? So he's been spat upon, he's been slapped, he's been beat. Finally, he goes back to Pilate for the last time. And as he stands before Pilate, John chapter 19, verse 1 through 3, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him or scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns <clears throat> and put it on his head. <clears throat> and
and arrayed him in a purple robe. <clears throat> they came to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And struck him with his hands. And you see the beating begins. The flogging was something terrible. The scourging was something terrible. His hands would have been tied behind, uh, above his head. And on either side there would have been Roman soldiers with a whip. And at that end of the whip, there would have been bones and pieces of lead. As they struck Jesus on his back, on his feet. Or excuse me, on his back, on his legs all over his body. The Jews' punishment was 39 lashes. But the Romans, they didn't have that law, that rule. We don't know how many times he was whipped. But he was whipped on the front side and on the back side. And I was doing a little bit of study on a commentary this would be the medical description. The heavy whip is brought down with full force again and again across Jesus' shoulders, back, and legs. They cut through the skin only. Then the blows continue. They cut deeper into the tissues, producing first oozing of blood and then the capillaries and the veins. Finally, more blood is released. The skin in the back is just hanging with long ribbons, unrecognizable mass. And then we see the crown of thorns. The crown of thorns was some kind of prickly plant such a, that abounds in Palestine. And they pressed it into his scalp. And again, there must have been copious bleeding because the scalp is one of the most vascular areas of the body. They took a reed then and began to smash the crown of thorns down on his head as they mocked him. Further physical violence. The blows kept hitting his head over and over again. The soldiers put a robe on the back of Jesus. They stripped him and then they dressed him. And before they sent him to the cross, they took that robe back off and his clothes back off. And they said it was like taking a Band-Aid off a fresh wound, ripping it off very carelessly. Then the crucifixion, Matthew chapter 27, and when they had mocked him, they striped him with the robe and put on his clothes and they led him away to crucify him. The legionnaire drives a heavy square iron nail through the wrist deep into the wood of the cross. Quickly does it to the other side. The left foot is pressed backward against the right foot and with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each, giving the knees moderate flexibility. And what we find is as the person that is on the cross, in this case Jesus, if he pushes up with his feet to grasp for air, it's excruciating pain. If he tries to lift himself up by his arms, it's excruciating pain. The cross is digging into his back. I mean, it's a horrific scene, what he has to go through. And he does it because he loves us. And we celebrate the resurrection today, but we must consider what he faced before the resurrection. We must consider what he was willing to endure for our sins. And I wonder if the ladies that day, as they were walking to the tomb with the extra spices versus the extra oil, with the extra things that they needed, thought, here's a man that needs more care than any other man. 
Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 says this as Isaiah is prophesying about what they'll see on that day that Christ is crucified, that Christ was crucified. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. And this form beyond that of a child of the children of mankind. And we look at that and we see what our Lord and Savior went through. And I wonder, I wonder if that was something that drove those ladies to go to the tomb that day. We have a lot in common with these ladies. I know that some of y'all here, you're here for multiple reasons. And I can't tell you why you're here. You might be here because of an invite. You may be here because something has drawn you here. Maybe you were a guest on the property yesterday and you've come back today and if you want to make this your home, just snuggle in and become family with us. We would love to have you. You're the consistent member of the church. Thank you so much for that. But just like those women at the tomb, whatever reason you're here, I just want to say thank you and I'm glad you're here because you're in the right place at the right time and God can do something in your life. See, the ladies didn't know everything, did they? But they did want to know where Jesus was at, so they went to try to find him, and that's what you did today. And if you're sitting in the seats and you're thinking, well, I don't know about all that, hey, I understand that. But by the end of this, I hope you're encouraged that this is not like any other religion. I mean, Christianity is set apart. I mean, we have Jesus Christ, the living God, amen? resurrected that's what we celebrate that's whose name we exalt because we realize that it's not a bunch of to do's and a bunch of to don'ts written down in a book somewhere but rather it's a living breathing relationship that we get to have with our lord and savior day in and day out we have the holy spirit to enlighten us and to guide us and to comfort us and direct us amen but it only happens because we have a living savior a resurrected king jesus christ So whichever reason you're here for, I don't know, and we certainly don't want to judge you. We're just so glad that you're here and so glad that you're a part of this. Quickly, I want to visit with you just about three things that I think that we can learn from this story that will encourage us about the resurrection, that will encourage and build our spirits and lift us up. And the first thing that I see here is that Christ wants us to learn about the resurrection Now, I can't tell you that I know all the technical details of the resurrection. There's much to learn. This was my, as as I was preparing for this, my lot was how do I not keep you here until tomorrow at 12 a.m., right? Because you could go on and on and on and on. And some of you guys are like, I just not till 1210, Matt. We got, I know, I know there's supper in the oven. I got it. But as I look at this, one of the first things that I see is that I see that Christ wants us to learn about the resurrection. It intrigues me. It intrigues me on Luke chapter 24, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. See, there's one lesson that we can learn from that, because whenever the ladies are walking to the tomb, one of the conversations they have in another gospel is, man, how are we going to get the tomb out of the way? Can I encourage you, if you really don't know that much about Christ, just start walking towards him. He'll take care of some of that stuff that seems like it's just you can't do on your own. The angel rolled away the stone. So you start walking towards Christ and see what happens. I challenge you on that. But it intrigues me that the tomb was open. It was almost like, come on in and check it out. We have nothing to hide. Don't you wish some governments were more like that? I won't get on the political discussion, but come on now. See, our Lord and Savior is not like that. And if you've had authorities in your life that have been like that if you have people this love that's been kind of standoffish and and holds you at arm's length and won't let you in we want to let you know that our lord and savior is not like that is he 
He wants us to be in fellowship and relationship with him to the deepest extent, really, that we want to be because the sky's the limit, and we know what that means because we're not going to outwork, out talk, out know Jesus Christ, are we? No way. So it's really what we want to put into it, and I want to encourage you to put your whole heart and your whole life into it. But it's like the door's open, come on in, and we see that our Lord and Savior is not like normal earthly leaders. Genghis Khan, one of the greatest leaders in history, had brutal techniques, but at one time he owned more than anybody else in any other empire in the known world. It was all over the Asian continent from the Pacific Ocean to modern-day Hungary in Europe. I mean, it expanded everywhere. But whenever Genghis Khan died, he wished to be buried in an unmarked grave. It's believed that the soldiers that buried him were put to death. It's also believed that on, the, on that day that he was buried, that they released a thousand soldiers, or excuse me, a thousand horses to cover up any trace of human activity. See, Genghis Khan didn't want to be found. He didn't want anybody to come to him. And one, one thing that I read, they actually said that he might have diverted a river to take it all away from him. And so many world leaders are like that. They want to hide. They don't want to allow people in. They want to hide at camps and different things like that when the rest of us have to face the real world. But see, Jesus Christ is not like that. Jesus Christ has the Word of God in front of us and the Holy Spirit to guide us. The tomb was open with nothing to hide, and I encourage you this morning, go search Him out. And for us that are searching him out and trying to understand more and more of the resurrection, let's don't back up now. Let's do it with all of our heart and say, God, as much as you want to pour on my life about you being the living God, because there's some things that we all can learn, amen? There's some things that we can be enlightened with. And I want you to know that he wants us to know about the resurrection. Paul put it like this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So there's some power there that we can tap into as Christians and say, God, just pour it on. Help us to get to that point to where you can speak into our life and you you can show us because this is a living breathing relationship step for step Christ will walk with us and he'll show us and he'll lead us and he'll guide us and that's the thing that we should be excited about this morning that we celebrate that our God lives and as we sang this morning because he lives we live amen and it's worth celebrating that he wants us to know as much as we possibly can about the resurrection John chapter 5 verse 39 he's speaking here and he says he's speaking to some people who just look at the scriptures and they think the scriptures alone have eternal life and the scriptures are to point us to Christ and they're the word of God but Jesus Christ is the living word amen you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and is it they that bear witness about me he said if you really want to know me if you really want to search me out, you can do it because there's plenty of it in the Bible. Just go read it. One of the reasons why we have greeters out here and doors are unlocked is we want people to know that they can come in the church, amen? Think about your house at home. Somebody's pulling up and you're anticipating an arrival, you're anticipating a guest. Many times you open the door and leave that glass door shut, maybe, but you open that door because you want people to know as soon as they hit your porch, they're welcome in, right? Come on, you guys see somebody selling magazines or cookies door to door. You're flipping off your lights and shutting your door and hunkering down behind it. <laughs> Closing that door. The tomb was open. He wants us to know about the resurrection. 
because he is the resurrection of life. That's what scripture teaches us. One of my favorite things to, when I was younger was these gather, gatherings. I have a large family and we would get together and we'd play flashlight tag. Have any of you guys ever played flashlight tag? Okay, well, it's fun. You should. Okay, I'll go buy you some flashlights or something. You should. You got to wait till the dark to play it, though. Okay, that's what's scary. If you're like me growing out in the country, you're going to take off sprinting across the field and you're going to hit everything from here to the other side of the gate. Flashlight tag. It was awesome. We had flashlights and we'd go around and we would search them out and hunt them out. And if we could shine a flashlight on them and call them by name, they were out. And whoever did that to the most people won. And it was fun. It was awesome. It was wonderful. But see, that's not what we see here. Jesus is not hiding in the dark, is he? He is the light. He is the flashlight saying, come unto me. I'm not trying to hide. I want you to be where I'm at. Now, you got to do it on his terms, amen? But he wants us to be where he's at. He wants us to know as much as we want to know about him. And us understanding that he is the resurrection of life. Understanding the resurrection and what it means to the Christian faith is something that he wants us to do. Amen? The door's open. The question is, will you walk through it? The second thing that I'll learn here is that we have an amazing story to tell. See, we have a living story to tell. Excuse me, I skipped a point. I got too excited there. I got too excited. We're going to go back. Some of you guys thought you were going to get out early. <laughs> point two, you will find what you need in Christ. You will find what you need in Christ. I love this. Luke chapter 24, verse 5. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The, the ladies did. The men said to them, this is the angels. Why do you seek the living among the dead? See, the good news is they were looking. They were just looking in the wrong place. See, that can happen to us all. You've got something that you need to be filled, and you've been looking in the wrong place. You've got a God-shaped hole in your heart that only he can fill and you're, you're in the world and you're looking at all those worldly things to fill it and it just won't. You're looking in a world that looks very much alive, but according to scripture it is very much dead because it's not alive in Christ, it's alive in itself. And see, these women were amazing because they went, to, they, they went to look where they thought they would look, but the angel said, listen, you cannot find the living among the dead. And I want to encourage you, and, and for some of us, we already know that, listen, what you're looking for, what you need, you can find in Christ. Happiness is not as far as you think it is, but it's not worldly happiness. It's only happiness that's truly found in Christ. You want to beat some depression and anxiety off your life. You want to be able to set up and say, I know that there is a purpose for my life. You cannot find that in monetary things, in material possessions. You can't find that in more influence. The only way that you can find that is through the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is the thing. You can't look among the dead to find the living. You have to look among the living to find the living. Could that be why you're here this morning? God has you ordained for this moment to feel like you feel, to let you know that there's hope. But it's only found in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. And I commend you because you've been looking, you've been trying, but today we hope you find your answer. Eric Liddell, one of the great Olympic heroes, the year is 1924. 
He's an international rugby player, which I give him props for that because those are some mean guys, man. But he's also a world record athlete. The 100-meter dash, which he thinks he can do really well in. Unfortunately, it's on a Sunday, and this is 1924, and he's committed to his Christian values and his morals. And he says, I will not run the 100-meter and miss church or take and not take my Sabbath. And he forfeited his opportunity. It was crazy later on he did win the 400 meter and won the bronze and the 200 meter. So he could have done it. But when they asked him, this is what he said. He said, God made me fast and when I run, I feel his pleasure. See, he understood something that I hope all of us understand. The prize was not found in the medals, but his prize was found in his faith in his God. It wasn't found in what men could give him and appreciate him for, all those, those are good things. It was found on his solid rock, Jesus Christ. And today I hope that your heart is opened because I want to tell you, <laughs> once you find the living Savior, you never want to go back. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. I'm not saying that at times you're not going to feel like quitting. All those things are very true. But what I do know is that you'll never go back. All the 12 disciples after Judas were willing to die for the cause of Christ. You could go down and find how every one of them were martyred and they refused to say that Christ wasn't who he said he was. Because they understood what we're all hoping to understand. What some of us are just reminding ourselves. The hope that we have can't be found among things that are dead in the world. It can only be found amongst our living, resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope you're looking for him today. Because let me tell you, you're in the right place because around here, we're alive for Jesus. Amen? The third point that I want to land on is this, that we're going to have an amazing story to tell. In fact, you're going to have a living story to tell. That's something that should make us proud, that almost should make us stick at our chest, peacocking around, <laughs> because we understand that we know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we don't have to look any further. Luke chapter 24, I love it when the ladies come back and tell the gentlemen... But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. It was just so good to be true. There's just no simple way to truly believe, even though they had heard the stories. But there was something in them that obviously wanted to believe because Peter runs back to the tomb, and John runs back to the tomb. I love it whenever John writes it in his book because he said he actually outran Peter. He just had to include that in there. Outran the old guy. He didn't go in, though. Peter went in. We got to do an event the other day, and I got to be a part of it. It's called Cast for Kids at Duncan Lake. It was a great, it's a great organization. Special needs kids from all over the community show up, and we stand on the shore of Duncan Lake, and we catch fish, and it's pretty cool, man. They kind of stock the pond and do some stuff. It's pretty neat. And one of the things that I love to hear is the fish tales. Does anybody in here, a fisherman, have a good fish tale? You know, the fish was, every time you tell the story, a little... A little bigger. I see some 
poking there. This guy that was emceeing the event, he was the master. Man, some of those kids that didn't even catch fish, by the time he got done with them, they had caught a well, and they were reeling it in on the bank. You know what I mean? They had a fish tail to tell. Let me tell you something. What I've learned is I live for the living Savior. Man, I've got some stories to tell you about how he has intervened, how he has changed, how he is a love, how he has accepted. And you might think, man, that just seems unbelievable. I know. And then we read in Scripture of all that he went through, the arrest, the examinations, the beatings, the crucifixion. But we also read the end of the story. And our God lives. He didn't do all of that just so we know that he lives. He did all that so we could be in fellowship with him. Now, he didn't need our help raising from the dead, amen. Oh, no, no, no. But all that he went through was for us to know that we have a living, loving God that we can walk with from day to day. And in the world that we live in today, some of the things that each one of you face in here, I don't know your story, but I know from my own story that I need a God that's with me every day. Not one that I merely read about in a book to do's and to don'ts, but one who says, Matt, this is how you can. This is the hope you've been searching for. And I want to encourage you this morning that maybe today is your day. Maybe your day is today to find salvation or just find hope. Maybe you're struggling with something and you need prayer. We want to help you. Would you bow with me? Father, as we sit in our seats, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And God, I pray that we just contemplate because our decision is this. Now that we know, what are we going to do with what we know? It's not just enough to know. We have to make a decision. And as you said in your seats, like I said before, I don't know why you're here. I'm just glad you're here. If you know there's something in your life that you need to get right with our Lord and Savior, if you're not saved and you know today is the day that you need to surrender your heart, I'm going to help you with the first step. That's acknowledging it. And I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand even as I speak. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Feel free to do that now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you for that first step. Would everyone stand with me? Obviously, we've had time to, thought, to think and contemplate. So altar workers, would you please come down here to the front? As the altar workers move down, if you raised your hand, we want you to come down to the front. You need to slip out of your seat and come down here and say, that was me that raised my hand. I've got something in my life I need to get straightened out. But at the same time, if that's you and say, you know what, Matt, I just need a little special prayer. I got some stuff going on in my life and I need hope. I want you to be released from your seats. I know it's a big crowd today and it's gonna take courage. Just be released.
Amen. Let's give them a hand as they come down. It takes a lot of courage. We're going to wait a couple more moments here, and we want to encourage you. You need prayer. You need salvation. We want to know. We don't want you to leave here without Jesus. If you made the decision in your seats, you need to come find one of us and say, man, today I made the decision. I got some stuff right. Some of you guys who like to pray very quickly, would you come down here and just put a hand on somebody's back? We don't want anybody to be alone. Y'all just slip out from your seats. We're almost dismissed. Just come out and slip out your hands very quickly. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We don't want anybody to be alone. We know how hard it is to be at the front. If you're comfortable, would you extend your hand forward and just bow your head, either one. Let's pray for everybody at the altars. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for what you're accomplishing in the hearts and the minds of your people. Thank you for what you've done in the seats, decisions that have been made, encouragement that it has happened, God. And as we celebrate what you're doing. As they continue to pray, there's one last thing that I would like to do. Everybody in your seats, if you feel comfortable, we just want to dismiss as a family. Would you guys make it out of your seats and just kind of press down here? If you would, come down here as a family. We're going to pray together and then we're going to dismiss. If you feel comfortable sitting in your seats, that's perfectly fine. I know that it's going to be hard to make it down and we're going to be in the aisles and that's okay. We want you to feel welcome to know that you're a part of this. We're going to pray a prayer, a blessing over you. And then you're going to be out of here by 12.04. Because dinner's in the oven, Pastor. <laughs> oh, isn't this a beautiful, beautiful thing? If you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. We want to get to know you. And you're important to us. Family, thank you. You felt the presence of God today? I know. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this beautiful scene here at the altars, God, as we just gather as family together. God, we've made our declarations from our seats. We've made the declarations from the altar, God. You know the hearts and the minds of everyone in this room. For the ones that found salvation, that they would be brave and walk in that. For the ones that need a little bit of hope and encouragement, God, that they would find that and they would have that. God, thank you for your love that you've bestowed on us and what has happened in the lives of your people. God, as we go out, we pray that your face would shine upon us. Let us be a blessing as we are blessed. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our risen Savior and we have hope only found in you. We celebrate it, we accept it, we love it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone says, amen. amen, amen. We love you guys. Go out and enjoy the rest of your holiday. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. We love you guys. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.